Good morning, First Church. It is a great joy to be with you here this morning. As we get ready to dive into God's word together, let me invite us to share in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we begin this morning, I first of all want to take just a moment and thank Pastor Janet for sharing with us last weekend and giving us that really important reminder through Peter of how all of us can be restored in the love of Jesus. And in that restoring, having our shame wiped away. That's a powerful reminder and a powerful reality for all of us to live into. You might also remember in that sermon, Pastor Janet asked us, how is it that we're using our time in this pandemic season? Are we doing more walking? Are we doing more cooking? Are we doing more Netflixing, if I can say that? Uh, or are we doing more working? And probably for all of us, there's a little bit more in each one of those categories, but I'm also guessing that one of those categories has a significant amount more interaction from us. For us in the Lake family, it would be under the walking category, or more, or more specifically, hiking. Uh, one of the things we've started to do in this season as a family to begin to find a new rhythm together is to find a new hike every week for us to be able to go on and to find a hike that we've never done before to go on. Now, let me tell you, most of the time, that has been a wonderful experience. We get to get out in the outdoors. We get to enjoy each other's company. Uh, the fresh air is good for us and just helps us to reset. It gets us out of the house. Most of the time, it's pretty good. But notice I said most of the time. A couple weeks ago, we had a chance to go on a hike, as I said, that we had not been on before, and we were not exactly sure what to expect. Now, I will admit the day was a little bit cooler than we wanted, but we thought, hey, we're gonna be hiking. We'll be working out. We'll be traipsing up the mountain. It'll be good. But we started the hike, and first of all, hiking is slower than running, and it's slower even than walking, because a lot of times you're going uphill or even coming downhill, you're navigating the stones. So first of all, this is taking us a lot longer than we wanted. But beyond that, once we get up on the mountain, the higher up we went, the colder it got. And it seemed the higher up we went, the more the wind was blowing. Now, it may have been April on the calendar, but let me assure you, it was winter on the mountain. And it was brutal. I mean, there was snow on top of the mountain. Uh, the wind was howling. In fact, here's a picture of Jen with the wind just howling around us. It was frigid, and it was not what you would call pleasant. Now, I won't name any of my kids, but one of my three kids may or may not have reached a breaking point in the trauma of the frigid weather hiking on the mountain. We had hoped for a great day together, but in the hiking, on the journey, in this new place, some twists and turns and some unexpected frigid weather had created a reality we were not prepared to encounter. And it was tricky, it was weird, it was, it was hard in many ways. I shared that with us here this morning because today we are all on a journey ourselves and we're in the midst of a journey that has taken some unexpected twists and turns. Uh, even a few months ago, none of us would have expected to be where we are right now on our journey in life, dealing with the effects of the pandemic and COVID-19 reality that we are in. But we are not alone in that. 
In scripture as well, and especially the story that we're focusing on today, we also encounter some individuals who are on their own journey, and their journey also takes some twists and turns. And not just one unexpected twist, but multiple twists and turns. I know that we had a chance this morning to hear the scripture shared with us, but I want to invite us to listen to it one more time because this is a significant story and there are so many things for us to understand and capture in the story that's shared with us here this morning. I wanna invite us again to open up our hearts and if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to do that as well. Luke chapter 24 verses 13 and on say this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So at this point in the scriptures we're going through, we hear very clearly that Cleopas and the other disciple, and our best guess is that it is Mary, his wife, who is with him. So these disciples, Cleopas and Mary, are walking along and we're told very, very clearly that their face, their heart is downcast. Why were their hearts, their faces, their spirits downcast? We're told very explicitly in verses 20 and 21 where it says this, The chief priests and our rulers handed him, that is Jesus, over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all of this took place place. So why are Cleopas and Mary, why are their hearts downcast? Because their dreams of the victorious Messiah have been wiped away. Remember, they were following Jesus and their hope is that they were following a king, one who would be a military victor, one who would control not only where they were in that part of the world, but in other places in the world. They had envisioned a king in the way that you and I envision a king. And so when Jesus is killed by the authorities. Their dreams are dashed. Their hopes are killed, literally and figuratively. And so now here they are walking along and they are perplexed and they're vexed. (laughs) Lord, we thought you were gonna be the one to rule. We followed you, what has happened? And we can't even find your body. We've been told that the tomb is empty. There's a vexing here and a perplexing that they are walking through and trying to understand. What does this mean for them and the other disciples? And for Cleopas and Mary, they're so distraught, they don't even hang out with the other disciples in Jerusalem. They're on the road walking back to their home area in a cloud, in a funk, distraught. In fact, they're so in their own head, they're so filled with with their struggles and, and, and the darkness that they're walking in, they don't even recognize it when Jesus himself comes up and starts walking with them. They're so in their own minds, they don't recognize Jesus when he comes and walks beside him. 
And that is the power of doubt. Doubt is a significant thing for all of us. As one of my former professors said, he said it this way, and I love the way he phrased this. He says, doubt is one of the most shattering of illnesses in the journey of life and faith. Why? Because doubt makes healing difficult. Doubt blinds the soul. Doubt is an illness to the soul. Doubt blocks out hope. Doubt blocks out life. Doubt keeps us from seeing Jesus even when he's right there beside us. All of this is going through the minds of Cleopas and Mary as they're walking back home. Their dreams are gone. What are they going to do? And it's at this point where Jesus shows up among them. And again, they can't see him. Now, I ask us as we're listening to this story, does any of this start to sound familiar to us on the journey that we are on? I'm imagining for many of us at this point, we are now uh, moving into May and into the summer months almost. We pictured a very different type of journey. Uh, we pictured planning for proms. We pictured planning for summer vacations. We pictured taking vacations from our jobs and our work, not hoping to get back to work and get back to our jobs. We pictured summer celebrations and Memorial Day celebrations. All of those were things that we had been counting on in our journey. And now those things, for the moment, seem to have been wiped away, creating doubt, anxiety, uncertainty for us in our journey as well. We all right now are feeling some of the uncertainty that we can probably relate to Mary and Cleopas as they're walking along this morning. But here's the thing, the story is not over. Another twist happens in the story here this morning. As they're walking along in their doubt, Jesus shows up with them. And here's the wonderful thing. In their doubt, even though Cleopas and Mary can't see Jesus, guess what? He sees them and he joins them. In fact, in our darkest times, Jesus comes and he walks with us. I love that. It wasn't dependent on Mary and Cleopas first seeing Jesus. He first saw them and he proactively came to them and he started walking with them. There's an old German saying that I'm sure you've heard at some point, it says this, it says, are your ears ringing? And that means if there's somebody that's talking about you somewhere, anywhere, that your ears will start to ring because your name is being mentioned somewhere else. We're not told in scripture this morning that the ears of Cleopas and Mary are ringing, but we are told as we go throughout the scripture passage that their hearts began ringing or stirring or burning. Even when they didn't know it was Jesus right in front of him, right in front of them, there was something in them that was responding to the presence of Christ near them. It would be my hope and my prayers, we're entering in this story here this morning, that even what we're not even sure of looking at the scripture, there's a sense of burning in our own souls, that the Holy Spirit is at work among us, stirring us to remind us God is with us in our journey as well. So picture what's happening here. Cleopas and Mary, they're walking along. Jesus shows up. And if you fast forward through the story a little bit, they end up walking along. Jesus comes to their home. Jesus comes into their home, stays with them. He acts as a host at a meal. 
And as he does that, one of the most amazing verses in the whole passage we look at this morning is this. In verse 31 of chapter 4, after walking along, Jesus coming to their home, Jesus breaking bread with them, we hear this in verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he disappeared from their sight. I want us this morning to hear that word, then. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. What was the cause of the then? What was it that clicked or happened to allow their hearts, their minds, their souls to be open to suddenly see Jesus when they couldn't see him before. To understand the answer to that question, we need to back up a little bit here this morning. And the first thing I want us to understand is that when, we, when we're looking at this this morning, look what it says in verses 28 and 29. It says this, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is nearly evening, the day's almost over. So then he went in to stay with them. We've mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. I want us to understand this morning, there's a little bit of cultural politeness going on here. Here's Jesus walking with them. They don't know it's him. They're getting near the end of the day. It would have been rude for Cleopas and Mary walking with this stranger as it's getting dark to say, hey, nice to meet you, stranger. Head off wherever you're going into the darkness throughout the night. That'd be kind of rude for them as hosts, especially when their home was right there. At the same time, it would have been rude for Jesus as the stranger just meeting these folks to say, hey, do you all mind if I stay with you tonight when he hadn't known them before? So Jesus pretends he's going to walk along. Cleopas, though, to be the polite host, says, hey, you're welcome to stay with us. And you were supposed to do that in that culture. It was a way of being kind and polite. You should at least offer one time to say, hey, come and stay with us. To which Jesus, the polite response would be, hey, thank you so much, but no, I don't want to inconvenience you. I'm going to keep on moving. But if you were the host and you really wanted the stranger to stay with you, you would then ask a second time. And so Cleopas says to Jesus, no, really, we want you to stay. Come on in. And then Jesus would know, they really want me to stay. Or the stranger would know, they really want me to stay. Okay, I'll come in and I will join you. So all of this happens. And then Jesus comes into their house. And then look what it says here in verse 30. When Jesus comes in, when he was at the table with them, he, that is Jesus, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. This is odd. Jesus is not the host of this home. Cleopas is the host. Cleopas is the master. And yet, Jesus is the one who takes over as host over this meal they're about to share in. Why? We don't know for sure. But I think that what's happening here is, again, the hearts of Cleopas and Mary, they've been stirring. They just know that there's something about this stranger that they can't quite put their finger on, but they are drawn to him. There's something special about him. There's something unusual about him. So when Jesus comes into their home, even a stranger, they allow him to take over the role and responsibility of host. So now picture, here's Jesus. He's been invited in. He leads them through the meal. He's the host. There's the breaking of bread. And now it's in this moment that as Jesus breaks bread and he reaches out to them, 
that we hear in verse 31, then their eyes were open. Why was it in that moment? Do me a favor wherever you are right now. I want to invite you to literally reach out. And if you're wearing long sleeves at all, uh, like I am, you can see that in the reaching out, what can you see? You can see the wrist area. It's exposed. So if Jesus is wearing his garments and he reaches out in the breaking of bread, what's going to happen? His garment, his sleeve is going to slide back some. And when it slides back, what's going to be exposed on his wrist? His wound from where the nails have been driven in in his crucifixion. So here's Cleopas and Mary watching Jesus break bread, this meal in their home. The garment, the sleeve slides back, and then they see the woundedness. And suddenly it clicks. In the woundedness, they see Jesus. In the woundedness, verse 31, then their eyes are opened. They get it. And finally, after all of this time, Jesus has seen them and now they see him. But then in this almost cruel act of irony, look what it also says in verse 31. Their eyes were opened, they recognize him, and then the end of the verse, and then he disappears from them. What is that all about? He hangs out with them this whole time when they don't recognize him, but the moment they recognize Jesus, then he disappears. Is this an act of cruelty on the part of Jesus? No, no. What happens is that Jesus has given them now that which they need for faith. Jesus in this moment gives them that which they need to continue on in the journey. And now that they have that, now that they have faith, now that they've seen him, now that they believe, Jesus doesn't need to stay right there with them. Jesus can move on because their hearts have been healed. The doubt has been removed. And now they can live in faith and continue on the journey that Jesus wants for them. And Jesus does that for them, and Jesus does that for us. Jesus gives each of us that which we need so that we, too, can continue on the journey. He gives us just enough of what we need that our faith can be restored, and our hope can be restored, and we can walk and live in faith, and we can have our doubts and our anxieties removed in such a way that we can be the followers and disciples of Jesus that he has called us to be. I love that in this story. In this story, Jesus is invited to come in as host in this home. You and I have the opportunity also to invite Jesus into our home to be our host and our master. Except I'm not just talking in our physical homes, I'm talking in who we are as individuals. When we invite Jesus into our hearts, our souls, what are we doing? Lord, come in and be host, be master, be savior. And Lord, when you come in, may your wounds heal us. By your wounds, Lord, we are healed. You want to know where to find Jesus? Look for the woundedness in our world. Look for wounded people. Look for wounded dreams. Look for brokenness. And there you will find the grace 
of the living Lord. In Jesus' woundedness, he restores us in our brokenness. I love the way Isaiah says it in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. By his wounds, we are healed. We know that the church is made up of wounded people, broken people, but they are people who in their woundedness are made beautiful by the goodness and the grace and the blood of Jesus. It's by his blood that we are healed. In the Japanese tradition, there's something that they call kintsugi, which literally means to patch in gold, or another name for it is kintsukori, which means to repair with gold. You get a chance, I invite you to Google and to maybe check out online what is meant by these terms, but essentially this is what it is. Whenever there's a broken cup or a broken pitcher, what some of these Japanese artists do is they take the, the pieces of the pitcher or the cup or the bowl and they start to put them back together. But when they put them back together, the way that they do that, the, the adhesive that they use is pure gold, melted down, pure gold. So picture in your mind what that begins to look like. Each broken piece brought back together, sealed together, healed as it were, by this melted down pure gold. And because of this, every single bowl or every single cup or every single pitcher that's put back together, each one's unique because none of them break in the same way. And you can imagine that when they're put back together and when they are repaired and restored by this pure gold, they end up being more valuable after they've been broken than before they were broken. Because in their brokenness, each one becomes a new creation. Each one becomes something even more beautiful and more unique than before they were broken. And what's interesting in the process is that it's not that the brokenness is gone. It's not that the scars of the brokenness are gone. It's not that the story of the brokenness is gone. It's just that each one has been healed through the gold and putting back together each one of those bowls, cups, pitchers, whatever it is. The master artist makes the broken vessel even more beautiful than the original vessel. Church, the blood of Jesus Christ is our liquid gold. And he comes and restores us in our woundedness and allows us to be even more beautiful after our brokenness than before. We don't lose our scars. We don't lose the things that have weighed us down, but God has a way of working through them to restore us and redeem us. Much like Pastor Janet reminded us of last week with Peter, who was restored in the love and the grace of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ is the glue that brings us back together and heals us even in our woundedness. That's what Cleopas and Mary recognized this day. Their eyes were opened, 
faith was restored and they were empowered to continue on. And then if you look at the very end of this story, look what happens as a result of the meal. It's not that they just come and feast together. Chapter 24, verses 33 and 35 to 35 say this, Then they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true! The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two of them that happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Look what they do as a result of having their faith restored. They go and they share with the other disciples. They continue on the journey. This has been a journey that's taken twists and turns, but now they're empowered to continue in the journey and share the good news of the risen Lord with others who need to hear that good news as well. We have been praying throughout this year for at least 500 new connections. That is not changing because of the pandemic that we're in. We want to invite you to continue to invite people into worship and to be praying for people. And it's been exciting to see who we've been connecting with. In fact, I want to invite you, even if you want right now, please on the connection cards for worshiping today. If you are newer with us, please let us know so we can follow up with you. Or if you're a regular with us, but there's somebody we want, you want us to be praying for, put their name on the connection card and submit it to us so we can be praying for you. If you even want to write in the chat a first name or an initial of somebody that we can be praying about for you as you're trying to connect with them and sharing the love of Jesus, write it in there so that we can pray for you, so that we can join with them in their journey to know the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Church, I know that we are on a different journey right now, but know this, even when we don't feel like we can see Jesus, he sees us. And today we get to interact in an incredibly powerful way. In just a few moments, we get to share in the same meal that Jesus shared in with Cleopas and Mary. And again, as we share in this meal and his hands are extended, may we recognize the woundedness of Christ again who comes and by his blood offers healing to us. And maybe we've shared in the communion meal many times before, or maybe today is one of the first. But as we interact together, as we share in this meal, may Christ come again and open our eyes, empower us, remove our doubt that we too can share in the good news. We too can see Jesus as we've never seen him before. And we too can continue on the journey. The meal of communion is one of the most powerful ways that all of us have to come face to face with the risen Lord and to come into close contact and close communion with him. So today, church, let's feast together that our eyes may be opened our hearts stirred, and we too continue on the journey sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with all. Let's celebrate and let's feast together.